three, three, two, two one. one. Let's, Let's go! go! Yes, I'm the host of the podcast, Troy Tittlemeyer, joined by, of course, the co-host, Matt, the Skip, Scipio, and coming in from outside of the planet's atmosphere, the outside. stratosphere, you are in space. I'm in space. The view is fantastic. It is are you up there in Michael out. Strahan right now? You're like going around with Origin or what, Blue Origin? Are you on Blue Origin right now? I could be. I he's mean, for, for the sake of this podcast, I, I probably am. He's with the Tesla and space junk. Yeah. <laughs> is Strahan actually up in the air? Up in uh, I th- yeah, I suppose he's going up tomorrow. What's today? It's, yeah, he's going tomorrow. Going up tomorrow. Michael Strahan. Yeah, we're First out. What, what outfit? Blue Origin. He's going Blue Origin. Are, are, they, actually, are they actually leaving the atmosphere? Uh, like, uh, technically, or is it the- like, are we getting above like... You know the stratosphere. Like, where, where right, are we going? Right. Let's yeah. be honest. They're not doing anything fucking different than they did. In the, actually, they're doing something less than they did in the sixties. Let's say they're like take them to the moon. I'll be interested. In, Strahan wants to go to the moon, but he just wants <laughs> to go like a really high plane ride. Like, cool, dude. Uh, I could <laughs> probably use that money to do a lot more things with. But anyway, uh, <laughs> let's yeah. have fun. Good for uh, you. Good for I'm you. gonna watch. I'll watch. You know, hey, it'll it'll get my attention and i'm sure stan will watch it 18 times through cnn or whatever you watch yeah, yeah, right <laughs> stan of course stan the man joining us for today's show uh stan is uh is our technical advisor uh he's long in the tooth and he brings a lot <laughs> he brings a lot of value in his experience to the show and so uh always a good time i, I still haven't come up with a, a perfect title for him yet but it's there it's somewhere we're working on it's it. coming it's coming. once we get rid of long in the tooth fossil fuels long in the tooth. <laughs> you're the one that's long in the tooth you <laughs> change horses on that <laughs> oh man all right and we 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 got to sit down and enjoy time with tim rathman sir your show has uh for me it was it was a fun show it was kind of loose i know you as a geologist and we've done a show on your podcast Right. Um, you know, like it, it was nice. It was it was relaxing, and I just kind of got to know your story. We went through Google Earth, went to Australia and to London. You know, all those different things that you did, man. It's it's incredible. Your story is really really unique, and I think uh, the audience is going to be super excited and just you know, it, there's a, there's a lot here for, to listen and see where it goes. But before I give my wrap up, let's go with Skips. What dropped out for you on this show, Skipo? I mean. The coolest thing was, I mean, just going through your career, Tim. I mean, just, cool. you know, every experience, every stop along the way from, you know, picking up rocks in, you know, the backyard, those nice little shiny, you know, uh, decorative rocks, those like uh, smoothed yeah. out courts to, right. you know, your experience at UCSB. But then more importantly than that, like you were, you weren't expecting to get into oil and then you fell in love with it. And then mm-hmm. now look at no. the journey that it's taken you on. Right. right. The places right. you've gotten to live, the things that you've gotten to see. I mean, a lot of rock and a lot of different basins across the globe and in different positions too. not only, you know, a fundamental geotech or fundamental geologist business development and just how that's evolved into what your consulting business is today. So I, mm-hmm. I, I enjoy just the whole thing from start. Right to on. Right on. Yeah. Thanks for the opportunity. Thanks for listening. Oh, yeah. <laughs> T-Roy, no. T-Roy what, what dropped out for you, man? Um, you know, th- definitely the history, right. And what you're saying, the, the correlation of like, you know, you just get on 
the ride and and then you you do your best as geoscientists to contribute value to the companies or to the mission that you're a part of and then all of a sudden that becomes this integral part of your life and you get this passion from that opportunity and you went around the world i mean that's 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 pretty rare and and so it's always unique to listen to that and kind of ask questions like we did uh so i got a lot from that but you know I, for for me tim and i i see you around linkedin and i i do follow up everything you do as much as i can and i i noticed the the drone and the technology and this integration of you know we we realize boots on the ground cannot be replaced right, you, right. the resolution yeah. you see when you're out there and you're mapping contacts on a contour map and you're drawing that in as you go and you're seeing everything all those details that can't be replaced i totally agree and and it should never be replaced we are are and you say this in the show you had this affinity of looking down that's mm-hmm. something that me and Stan and others always talk about. Like we need to start looking down. The resources are at our feet. The future is held in our planet, not in space. It's not some magical thing that's going to happen in some terra firma thing. Like we still need to figure out a lot about our own planet. We need to do a lot more time yeah. looking down. That's what you brought to me in this show. And you're integrating drone technology, this idea of virtual reality. I was just talking to you about this, Skips. Virtual real estate what is going on with this right. virtual real estate like what i can't it is it's 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 something i don't, get it. I don't wrong. get it either but i i see where value could be but in my head it just makes no sense mm-hmm. yeah. ah yeah i got a i got a lot maybe that's another podcast to talk about on how that's a whole a thing but the idea of taking a high resolution video and pictures and lidar and everything you can get from an outcrop from a drone putting it in an image and then allowing someone with the, the, the skill sets and the tools like we talk about in the show to sit in that virtual world and try to make predictions or try to make some economic sense or some geologic sense that maybe has economic implications. That seems very powerful. That does seem like a legitimate tool. I know that's kind of what you do, Tim, and, and kind of what you've been putting out there. That's why I was excited about this show and getting to know your background and kind of where you're going with this stuff. Like you're, you're kind of riding the front lines of technology and geoscience. And that's a, that's a big deal. Yeah. And it's, um, you know, it's, it's still something that you still, uh, the, the guys who are running the company, they, they are uh, mid sixties. They've been in the industry for a long time. So they have the fundamentals. Now they're the ones that are using it and integrating it all. So it goes back to the fact that you need fundamental geology. You need to get out to the field. You need to get these fundamental geology courses in the university. And uh, it gets, all goes back to the rocks. It's, it's always been that way. It always goes back to the rocks, not the computer model, not the button you push. There's no find oil here button. I wish it is. You can Turn hit a button. Oil here. Yeah, you can hit a yeah, you can hit a map. <laughs> find oil here button. Yeah, well, they do the fine, you know, contour here, and it just looks like a bunch of gobble of gluk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh man, I got to get rid of this data point. Let's just recalculate. Remove recalculate. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Stan, drop the hammer. What came out for you in this show, and uh, and then we'll call it a show. Well, various permutations on, on what has already been said, but uh, I think some of the things that were said towards the end there where it still takes a human brain to integrate all of this mm-hmm. data. Mm-hmm. 
And to me, it's not so much all the data generation that's going on, which you guys have covered. I mean, it's, which is just the diarrhea stuff. <laughs> it's how you think about that data. Yeah. Yeah. And how you organize and integrate it. That's where the, you know, like what we've been doing with our new oil model, but, um, and it's not dead dinosaurs, but, and, um, I got that's on your hat. No, no, you still had enough meat on, never mind. Um, but it's, it's the, you know, so it's how you think about all this stuff, it's the integration. So at the same time, we have a ton of data coming in. We have all these amazing tools that can manage that data and integrate it and put it in a lot of different ways for us to visualize it and see it. But we also at a time where the ideas of how you're and why you're looking at that data and why how you're organizing yeah. that data is just as important and just as valid of a conversation uh, to make a discovery or to make value to uh, to the situation. I, I love that. That's that's why I'm so excited about the times we're in. Well, well, take all this data he's been talking about and think about it from a hydrothermal oil perspective. Yeah, well, that's, that's, that's a great example. And that leads to a whole nother set of revelations. Right. Yeah. Well, I think, oh. too, is is you got to have the ability to challenge the data, whether you actually believe Absolutely it, you it, do. It, got to believe it's a good data point if it's uh that that's what people don't do i think is they just believe whatever they've been given well one of the things that's important about that statement is you you've got a data point and you you may argue about well how good is the quality of this what was the lab that did it you know but the other things is if, if you get to the basics where okay it makes basic data sense and for me, I find another data point and a whole series of them. And if they integrate into a story that makes sense beyond just single data points, then that reinforces the idea that that data point we're playing with originally is a valid data point. If it makes a valid story that integrates other, yeah, yeah, into a valid process. But also, it's there's also like folly in that as well, right? Because if there's data points that don't make sense, that people will just disregard as bad data. Well, and that, when, that's another that, really important point. And, that's, and so understanding that, yes, you need to find correlations, this is true, but also understanding, hey, this doesn't fit in the model, screw it, right? Like that. Well, yeah, that and, and if much. you do that, that's commonly a fatal error because it's the anomaly that offers the conceptual opportunity to find where the new stuff's gonna be. Yep. Exactly. You never throw the anomalies out, especially exactly. if the data is half-assed. <laughs> half-ass is, half is a technical term, too. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, in my book, it is. <laughs> There's a weight to it, you know, but anyway. Uh, Tim, what dropped out for you? And then let's uh, let's say goodbye and, and uh, let's do this again another time, hopefully in person. Yeah, for sure. Oh, I just appreciate the opportunity, guys. And it was neat because as I sort of went every every time I sort of, you know, go through my history, I sort of reflect back and forget certain things. And and the questions you brought up uh, was was very, you know, inspiring. It brought back a lot of memories and things, you know, I, I would have forgotten that I knew how to, you know, protect myself against the feral kangaroo and the outback. I was going to say, yeah, that kangaroo protection. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but... <laughs> 
it was it's nice to talk to people uh talk talk real geology talk talk real technical talk uh get in bits a bit of the history of or the, the 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 future of where where the, the industry is going and the tools that are being used uh virtual reality i think is going to be uh, something that's going to be adopted uh, it used to be just 3d models now virtual reality is kind of the next step i can't wait to put the goggles on stan one day <laughs> he's standing in the middle you of the already know what to do with the goggles when you put them on <laughs> <laughs> you might be right but i can't still wait for that day he's standing Dangerous. in the middle of the room he's trying to walk around he doesn't know what to do right he's got the virtual goggles on he's trying to he sees outcry he sees rock <laughs> he's like trying to grab it <laughs> anyway. yeah it's it's going to replace you know these huge 3d visualization centers that uh, I've been to, I've been. Oh yeah. Chevron. I was at one in Norway. Yeah. Norway. Uh, Chevron has one in Bakersfield that Stand I was in one time. These massive rooms with like 50 servers and it's like a movie theater with always, and you can walk into it, but that just putting on a goggles is what's going to be the future of doing that, mm -hmm. that, that sort of visualization. Yeah. Just a quick aside on that. You see this map on the wall behind me? I do. That's cracks of the world that we were fooling around with a little bit with the oil. I, I enjoy well, those. Yeah. We actually did it for the whole planet. And part of the deal in the project we got in with Stato was that they took that whole map and they put it in one of their 3D visualization rooms. Right. And and they said, when we were eating lunch one day, they said, hey, why don't you come in here? i got something to show you. They put it on a globe, didn't they? Yeah. And they had, you know, taken it and made, 3D uh, pixels out of the whole thing, and they projected that that map and the pole pos uh, positions. We had north and south pole and onto a, onto a globe. That's awesome. That would be badass. Oh, that's that wild. was totally badass. <laughs> that's that's a big that's a georeference tip gone wild. <laughs> well, it is. It is, yeah. Uh yeah, That's we amazing. need to get that. We need to find that. We need to get it. We it would be it. fun if we could get our hands on the actual right. Bring it down. Yeah. Make a museum out here in Sonoida with that thing. Yeah, just mm -hmm. buy that a couple projectors and have it like running. Because I've seen oh. those at planetariums before. I know you're well. It was right. The, the, right. the room yeah. literally was like going to the LA planetarium or something. Yeah. Like that. This episode is brought to you by Bell Geospace. Bell Geospace has the gravity data that you need in the Permian Basin to see the structures below your reservoir, to see the structures in the reservoir and above. It's all connected. It all has a lot to say and a lot to do with how much oil, brine, or gas you're getting. You need the data to make better wells. You got to contact Julianne Sharples, jsharples at bellgeo.com or go to bellgeo.com. Check out their data. Check out what they're providing in their FTG, full tensor, gravity, gradiometry. The data is very high resolution. We did an exciting show, episode 91 with Bell Geospace, interpreting some of that data. Contact them today. Drill better wells. Let's go. Uh, then we are officially starting the conception part of the PBE podcast with Mr. Tim Rathman. Sir, welcome to the PBE podcast. Introduce yourself and then sure. let's let's take it from rocket back. Your first time picking up a rock and yeah. uh, and into <laughs> undergrad and, and everything else you got going on. Let's let's talk about it. 
Sure. Yeah. Well, okay. Yeah. Thanks guys. Appreciate you having on the show. I'm Tim Rathman. Uh, I'm a geologist kind of by background. Um, and, uh, you know, recently I'm kind of a, a Swiss army knife of a consultant. Uh, and, and, you know, but I, I started out, I'm originally from California. I was born in Santa Barbara. Nice. Uh, let's go. And, right. Let's go. And, uh, uh, when I was one, we moved down to LA area, so San Bernardino. And so I grew up in Upland, uh, which is kind of Western San Bernardino County. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, went to elementary school. I think the first time of picking up a rock was at my, at my friend's house. Uh, we were, you know, best buddies at the time. He had this little gravel side, you know, kind of, uh, a path that leads to the side yard. And it was just those nice little polished quartz. And, uh, you know, that you just are decorative. And I was, I always was fascinated. I, um, I'd always pick them up at shiny, you know, they'd roll nice in the hands and stuff. And, uh, I think that was probably the first time where I we just, you know, was interested in just nice shiny objects, uh, that were happened to be a rock. Uh, you know, I was always looking down, I don't know why, but, uh, just natural nature or whatever. And, uh, and, and that kind of kicked it off, but I was always, you know, my, my family is a science background my dad's got a he's on the engineering side and so my brothers so science is always in the in the in the um you know kind of in, in the in the blood uh i always love still building sand volcanoes in my backyard uh where you build up the sand into a big you know pile you shove a hose in it right and then you come up climb up the, with uh, on the jungle gym set and once it's you know enough of it you jump down and you know pretend you're like king kong jumping on a volcano <laughs> or something like that <laughs> Right. And you do that a couple of times and finally the water that's in there kind of flows out. Um, and then you just kind of let the hose go and run inside and leave the hose running. And mom comes out yelling at you <laughs> as a child. Right on. Um, but, uh, you know, we, we, uh, we'd always go to the beach too. My grandma lived in Huntington beach for a long time. So we'd go down there uh, every couple of weeks and I'd love seeing the ocean out there and seeing the sand and just playing in it, digging holes. I think like everyone, like, like a lot of kids do um, and kind of normal, you know, elementary school, junior high. I was uh, always, you know, uh, I guess, you know, into the math, into the science uh, in high school. I went uh, I went to a Damien high school. It's a it was a it was an all male high school, Whoa. which I think which I wouldn't recommend. <laughs> <laughs> It kind of messes with you later on in life. Uh, it was an all-male Catholic high school and uh, very strict to some degree. It was dress codes, and but it was college prep. And uh, so, you know, kind of made it through the advanced, uh, you know, some of the AP courses, uh, AP bio. Um, but I got into journalism, too, in high school. And so I was, an, I was kind of a nerd, like we all are. Uh, I went up to be yearbook editor of, the, of the, my high school yearbook, and that kind of was my initial entry into like media you know journalism interviewing people doing stuff behind the scenes uh, which I'm kind of doing now you know as part of a consultant Um, but uh, I was in Boy Scouts at the time too and um, that's where we started you know learn how to camp uh, learn how to get out in the field and do stuff become independent and I never made it to Eagle Scout uh, because I think it was just it was just too much mail in my life. I think I was doing all the all dudes high school. Uh, I was uh, in a Boy Scouts, and then I got a girlfriend, and uh, I basically dropped Boy Scouts. You know, so, so that, <laughs> that was that was the uh, detriment to me of why I didn't get Eagle Scout was because uh, I got a girlfriend, which <laughs> is sure. 
nature had stepped in, I guess. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, but then, uh, so I, because I was uh, born in Santa Barbara, you know, senior year, uh, I always had this idea that I'd go back to UC Santa Barbara. I think it was just kind of innate nature to be by the beach, uh, to be around sand, to be around, uh, you know, the environment where I was born in for, you know, maybe innate. I'm not really sure. What year but, was this? What year do you start undergrad? Uh, 1996. 96. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So that's my brother. My oldest brother graduated high school in 96, I think. Yeah, so okay. you're around the same age. And then back to uh, San Bernardino, just for a minute. Did you ever sure. go to Glen Helen? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The motocross park. Never done the motocross park. We always just go out there and then go to the concerts. You know, Blockbuster Pavilion. Once it was out there, <laughs> it wasn't much back then. What's um, the What was the very first concert you ever went to? What was the band? The very first one. Um, that you like purposely, like you were like, you wanted to go the first band you wanted. to go. You know, it was a free show at UC Santa Barbara. It was a little <laughs> bit later on in my career. It was 1990, 1997. It was spring and Cypress Hill played for free <laughs> on the UCSB campus. And they had these massive speakers, right? Um, on campus, there's a stork tower and the oh, speakers, you know, for, for relatives. Cypress Hill played in the, at the UCIN. And the amount of bass that was there was just insane. <laughs> um, and it was, uh, I think, what it was, is it Dishwalla or whatever? One of the UC Santa Barbara bands opened up for them. Completely different types of genres, you know. Mm -hmm. But then Cypress, Cypress Hill came out and... Uh, Killed it? That, that, yeah, totally. Um, that was the first one. But before that, like, I actually wanted to share that we actually had tickets... So my family's got a place in Wisconsin. We go back there periodically and um, we'd go back there. Well, we could go back there every summer as kids. And um, when I was, I think it was junior high, um, Eric Clapton um, and Stevie Ray Vaughan, right? We had, my, my brother got uh, free tickets uh, to the show at Alpine Valley. And uh, for a number of reasons, um, my parents didn't allow us to go because it was super foggy that night. They didn't want to drive us driving through the country roads in the fog. And that was, that was the concert where uh, you know, Stevie Ray Vaughan uh, died in the helicopter crash um, in, 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 in East Troy, Wisconsin. And that was kind of a bizarre story. Just, you know, I, we didn't go, but we had tickets to go. And actually, I, I have somewhere in a box the framed tickets that we never went of that show that he passed away from. Wow. Did um, he die because of the fog? He died because of the fog. The helicopter made an error and they crashed into the hillside um, on, on the foggy night after mm -hmm. the show. Um, Eric Clapton was supposed to be on the same helicopter, but I think wow. he took a different one. And so that's why, you know, he was still around. But that was that was kind of the first really music experience that I could have been a part of. Um, it's always like wonder what if, um, Oh, I don't it, know, man. It, what if, how do, what if we weren't talking to you today? Cause you got in a car accident in the fog, man. Who knows? Who knows? Dude, my dad made a good, might made a good call. You know, right. obviously did. So, so you go um, to undergrad UCSB, you're going right. in knowing you're going to study rocks. Yes. So I, I was originally going to be, you know, because I was fashioning the ocean and stuff. Um, I was originally going to be an oceanography guy and i didn't declare geology until until like sophomore year but i knew i was gonna be you know i wanted to do oceanography and um 
finally got to, you know, first oceanography class and we started going on the boats and I realized that I get extreme seasickness very quickly. <laughs> and um, it was sort of a turnoff because it was part of the requirements yeah. of the VR yeah. boat. <laughs> and so uh, I basically kind of did a reflection and just kind of declared general geoscience uh, or geological science is what the major is. And I, uh, you know, freshman year, you just kind of go through the, the, the prereqs, the GEs before you can actually get into like a normal lower division geology class. And it was in sophomore year, um, intro geology, you know, some of the extra ones, the paleontology. Um, when we started going out to the field, that's when I realized is like, wow, you know, I was going out to, I was going out to the field just in Boy Scouts and stuff. And now we're going out and camping and I can, you know, I can go to school and go camping at the same time. Oh yeah. Um, you go out with your buddies and, um, you know, do, you know, once, once you get done with your field class, you know, you do whatever you do at night just to kind of sit around the campfire <laughs> and stare at the stars and, and, uh, whatever. And, um, that's when I sort of fell in love with it. And I've always kind of fall in love with volcanics. I think there's a big component, you know, in California with, with volcanism and, uh, just started taking the classes. Some classes were difficult than, you know, than others. Uh, I had a hard time with structural geology as we um, all do. A, yeah. Right. Um, I had a hard who was, time with, uh, was, was, uh, Dr. Phil Gans there at the time or yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Okay. Got, yeah. I, so, I was looking at UCSB for grad school and I, I know a ton of the structure work that he's done is just so high level. Yeah. Dr. Gans is an incredible, um, why do you call him Mr. Snake? What's Mr. Snake? What's that mean? Well, he, he did his work in the Snake Ranch in Utah. That's where he made his claim to fame. Ah. Along with Elizabeth Miller. Did you know her? I didn't know Elizabeth, no. What about what Atwater? Did you ever chance into um, her? Yeah, I never took her plate tectonics course, uh, but she was, uh, I, I was always indirectly of her. And, but she was there completely, you know, rolled out the plate tectonics theory and her little computer model right which is still being used and oh, it's still on the net yeah yeah as a i i forget what it was uh you know but she was the early apples the, the early apple is what she created that the you know i think the plate tectonics model on mm -hmm. um but she was there dr gans was my volcanology professor uh he was the one that got me into it you know we we'd go out in the eastern mojave and then we'd go up to western nevada um we ended up the, as a class we climbed mount lassen up in northern california wow. made it to the top let's go and totally and and um what do you yeah, think about so the it, uh what do you think about that huge volcano that erupted in this in the ocean just recently um it's just the sign of in the, how in man, the indian you know, ocean yeah it's uh I mean, it, it shows that the earth is dynamic and the, we can do a lot of stuff for helping climate change and stuff like that. But there's natural disasters like this that just destroy, you know, that change, change things globally. Um, right. Just na just natural disasters. Right. And it shows you that how much we don't know. How much we're unmapped and unpredictable to some degree. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. Did you ever yeah. know Bill Crowell? He was there volcanologist for years he might have retired by the time you got there. i didn't know i think i saw his name on a number of publications and and bill but, wise uh, was their mineralogist right yeah dr weiss he was um he was filling in for my mineralogy presser but he was there 
I think he was the, he was most recently the chair. What? I think of the of the department. Neurologist uh, Weiss. chair. Oh, yeah. yeah, they'll use anybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so that was just kind of the fascinating. You know, I, there's there's those topics I always struggle with. Uh, but you know, it come junior year, you know, I was started to think about you know graduation and stuff. And I didn't go to school, you know, to UC Santa Barbara to get into oil and gas. That was absolutely, you know, um, I sort of stumbled into it. So my senior year, I actually ended up interning in a paleo ocean an ocean uh, paleontology lab, and was doing microscope work. And um, then I eventually got an internship with Venico, which is the local operator in uh, Carpinteria and Santa Barbara. They own uh, some of that, some of the offshore platforms, Holly, mm-hmm. uh, platform Gale, Grace. Holly platform. Whoa. Yeah. And um, so I was working, uh, so as my senior year, I was interning there just doing geotech stuff, ge- digitizing, uh, helping out with database, uh, learning the software. And that's where I really kind of fell in love with the oil and the gas business. It was like, going through school and stuff and at UC Santa Barbara, we're doing a lot of surface work, a lot of surface mapping, understanding deep faults, you know, and and deep systems. Um, But whenever, you know, once you get down oil and the gas, we're talking about thousands and thousands of feet subsurface, um, something you can't see. And it's computer data driven of how you come up with these, this, these interpretations. And um, I was right. Yeah. I was never a fan of uh, at the time of the environmental surface work, you know, landslides were kind of cool, uh, but a lot of the soil analysis and remediation, you know, shallow aquifers, I just really didn't have, you know, any interest in. And so um, with the with the internship at Venico, uh, I graduated and they offered me a full-time position, you know, a, a few months after I graduated. And that was amazing because I didn't do it for the salary, I was doing it for the opportunity. And uh, I think I went from well, now I think I went to 13 from, from like 13 bucks an hour. Um, and this is back in 2001 to like, they offered me 36,000 a year salary. And I was like, and benefits. I was like, like no. mom and dad, mom you don't have to work anymore. <laughs> right. Retired I was like, now, is, you're good. <laughs> yeah. I was like, man, this is awesome. I did this. And uh, all my, my, all the, all the guys I graduated with, they all went into the environmental, you know, landslide stuff. And, uh, and so I was the only one who went into the oil industry. And um, so that was in 2001. And I sort of uh, just kind of worked my way up from the geotech, uh, working, you know, solely California, Santa Barbara Channel, Ventura Basin. And then eventually um, there were some issues with the company, but uh, I, I moved from, the carpentry office in 2003 to uh, a new Denver office that was open from the founder um, wow. who's Tim, Tim Marcus and Tim Marcus is very highly known in Denver. He's a very big school of minds, very educated, very, you know, philanthropic. And he was kind of like my mentor um, and inspire growing up And and he, um, so uh, that was 2003. I moved to Denver. I was continuing to work oil and gas development, now Sacramento Basin. Um, lots of operations, lots of drilling, lots of log analysis and geotech work. And uh, the, that kind of brought me to Denver and was doing the California development for Venico up until 2008 here in Denver. And in 2008, uh, oil was booming, early part of 2008. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
oil was booming and uh, my son was born. He was, he, you know, he was born in October, 2007 and uh, was in industry for eight years, was kind of, you know, working really hard and just needed, had a, had a mental shift. You know, once you become dad, it's a different priority and uh, was always internet focused on, you know, I always had this kind of a wonderlust of what else is out there. I was always interested in international opportunities and with the oil price boom, I was starting to network on LinkedIn and network with international recruiters, local recruiters. In 2008? In 2008. Wow. I didn't even know LinkedIn was a thing in 2000. Oh, oh, I started in 2006. What? Yeah. I was Dude, one of the early adopters. Totally. You should have like at least a half percent or a percent of the freaking royalties of LinkedIn <laughs> because of that. I think they've learned a lot from me. I don't know. I, mean, I, <laughs> I, I just, I've just recently, you know, started pushing heavily trying to get marketing, but LinkedIn has been my primary tool. That's how yeah. I got my position, you know, uh, overseas and, wow. it, you know, I'll, I'll share with you, you know, kind of my around the world adventures, but um, yeah, it was all network, network networking through LinkedIn is uh, where I got the opportunity to go to Australia. So um, a recruiter contacted me that I was working with locally here. And she's, I told her that I would like an international opportunity. I don't know where, but it would just be, you know, it just be, sounds like a neat, neat little adventure. Um, and so I uh, ended up going to, yeah, I got a job in uh, Adelaide, Australia. How's uh, that? Which is on, it's on the southern. So go ahead and scroll to the west there, yeah, South Australia. Close. Yeah, go go west. So that's what. So that's there's Melbourne. Um, yep. Keep going. You could probably zoom out a little bit. Adelaide. Oh, go. Adelaide. Yeah. So South right. Australia, and they were hiring, and uh, I got a job with Santos. Santos is kind of a, a, a very local Australian company. Um, their assets are Central Australia, which is the Cooper Basin, um, and we can kind of show a basin map. But I basically uh, resigned from Venico, and uh, they offered me a full relocation package to Australia, which is absolutely amazing. So we picked up, and they relocated everything. Um, my son was 10 months at the time, um, you know, and so it was just the three of us. And I was working um, Australian yeah, assets. There you go. Western, yeah, yeah. So, so right right where you're right, kind of right there. Yeah, that's where Adelaide is, South Australia. Um, and that's your, what What are the red blobs that you got on there? Oil and gas carbons. Okay. So basically up uh, just in the north, the biggest one to the yeah, north, the Cooper. northeast. Yeah, that's the Cooper Aramanga yeah. Basin. Yeah. So that's where I was working. It's an intercatonic um, non-marine basin which is very unique and, but it's oil what, and gas. What's your opinion? What filled that thing up when it was rifting? Well, what's that provenance? Do you, did you come up with anything? Cause I know that's a, um, I know that's a big problem is they have no idea where the sediments came that filled that thing up. Uh, it came, you know, it depends on which side of the basin you're on, but for the most part, it, it came from the Northeast mm -hmm. currently and it kind of flowed West, but it, it, it intercatonic. And so it was kind of filling in at different positions at, at, at different times. Yeah. Um, How about these big cracks that go right through it? You, did you get to work any of that big structure complexity through there? Uh, no, that was the Westerns. That was the Western team. And they, they were more structurally complex. It was more gas oriented. Uh, it's more gas in the West. 
north, you know, kind of southwest in uh, oil in in the northeast. It looks like a jumping panda, like going after this rabbit over here to me. Sure, <laughs> sure, <laughs> totally. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah. Uh, hey, how about it's hooked all, totally to this ninety degree ridge? Look at that! That big feature comes right through there. Massive tectonic features that surround Australia. Um, wow, dude, that is got, awesome! How long were you there? So I was two years in Adelaide, and then uh, I got there. I was offered the position October two thousand eight, and you could bring up a, a a graph of oil, the price of oil right now. So I initially interviewed, started talking with him May two thousand eight. And finally, after negotiation, they offered me a position in August 2008. And um, I got on the flight and we um, landed in Australia on October 2nd, uh, 2008. And it was basically a, what right at the time when oil was in the whole GFC was was occurring. Yeah, Bernie um, Madoff was getting figured out right around. <laughs> right. Um, and so... Uh, the team I became a part of uh, was completely, you know, because of oil, oil collapsed. Um, I was sort of, you know, transitioned to a different team. And at the end of the day, um, I put my feelers back out there about 18 months later and I got picked up by another Australian company and I, I moved to Brisbane, which is on yeah. the East coast. What's the coolest thing to do in Adelaide? Just real quick. Fun fact. The coolest thing to do in Adelaide. Um, you know, it's kind of like a tiny Santa Barbara. So you got the beach and the, and, and the mountains right there within about like four miles. Um, wow. And so uh, a lot of it is just going out into the, the Gulf of St. Vincent, which is really like a giant lake. Um, it's all it's kind of, you know, it's tight on fuse, but it's really there's very little little waves that happen. Did you ever have a so, close encounter with a kangaroo? Yes. What? <laughs> yes. Their tails are like um, baseball bats, right? Yeah. Uh, so one of the safety, one of the safety uh, trainings we had to do in order to go out into the field and into the bush, right? Know how to uh, handle yourself with a kangaroo. How does that training go? <laughs> no. So yeah, the, the main thing was that actually the training was you had to basically get down and squat and put your hands over your head like this, oh. so they weren't they weren't intimidated by you. Um, Act like a rock. Them, yeah, most of the ones that were aggressive were because they had little joeys in their pouch, mm -hmm. so they were moms. Um, uh, and because these things could hop on their tail, and I mean, they're th if they hit you with their toenails, it's kind of like a velociraptor, dude. If it hits you in the belly, oh, yeah. it's gonna it could slash you. And um, so the training was: is if you see one, you got to get down your, on, your, on your hands and just you know not be intimidated. Basically. How wild are these things? Are these like equivalents like a javelina of Arizona, or how wild is a kangaroo? Like how how common are they? Um, there's yeah, there there's like herds of yeah, them. Yeah, they're everywhere, right? <laughs> I was gonna say because uh, they don't. Yeah, they're everywhere. There's not too many. They don't have too many predators, right? Especially in like urban areas. No, <laughs> no. no. I mean. Uh, the main predators on the road is like hit by a yeah. truck or something like that. Wow. So you see deer hits here, but you see kangaroo hits you in Australia. Australia. You, yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and they eat them there. Um, you, you go to local butcher, butcher and there's kangaroo meat and you can serve it at barbecues and stuff. There's kangaroo sausages. It's really a weird meat. It's really like a dark purple. 
And, Whoa, nah. And it's dark it's, purple. It's, oh. it's very like oily, and really, you got to marinate the heck out of it. And uh, it's just protein then at that point because all you just taste is the marinade. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I just a marinade delivery system. That's all it is. Yeah, bas- basically, it's uh, but it's it's easy. It's really easy to overcook. Yeah. Um, typically, like a, if you have like a kangaroo steak, it's done in about two and a half minutes. Oh um, my gosh. And, well, okay. So you move from Adelaide to where? So moved, uh, Hold on. We, we might have to make a strong left turn. Let's see what Stan, yeah, yeah. Stan no, has. No, no, it's, just, it's just while we're on animals, did you ever see? Yeah. They train you up on guanas. Uh, no. Those are those big monitor lizard type things. Yeah. Um, those weren't really a threat where we were at. Um, those were kind of more in South, um, like Victoria, but ta- Tasmania. So did you ever see one? A, never saw one in the wild. No. Okay. Wow. Yeah, or in the bush is what they say. Yeah. So uh, 2000. Okay. So 2010 through, through LinkedIn, right. I got hooked up with another recruiter, and uh, they offered me a job to go to Brisbane, which is on the east coast in Queensland. Yeah. So up. Go. Yeah. yeah. And a little up, up more. See where the line is. Yeah, up above that. Yeah, because it's in Queensland, that state. That's the board of Queensland, New South Wales. Yeah, there's Brisbane. Yes. Wow. Yeah, there you go. There you go. And that was way cool. I think that was, uh, so Adelaide was very dry. Uh, it's very beachy. Uh, the summers were treacherous. Summers, you get up to 130, 120. Wow. What? E- easily. And then, well, in Adelaide, too, you have this northern wind. And uh, because it's connected right to the Cooper Basin and, and the desert, you get these northern winds that come down and you get the flies that are just brutal. And uh, they come down, they stick to you. You can be riding your bike and they just come flying right up and they stick to you and they create like a panic. It's absolutely disgusting. There's another so, kangaroo <laughs> island. There's two kangaroo islands in Australia. Yeah. Mosquito Island. Oh, I'm out. I'm out. Yeah, no thanks. Fuck I'm off that island. island. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the Mozzies. That's their nickname. The Mozzies. You got a Long Island? That's a yeah. It's just a bunch of near, you know, near shore kind of barriers. Wow. Yeah, that whole area right there, wild. Okay. I, okay. I have to ask because I'm I'm terrified of saltwater crocodiles. Are they in? Yeah. Are they in these like areas and like these like little bays? Um. No. no. The main thing there is the bull sharks. Oh. Okay. Those things will tear you apart. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <like so> <laughs> Yeah, the bull sharks are the biggest ones. Um, up further north, you have the blue bottle, the, the jellyfish, um, and those those are could be potentially deadly. Um, How much so water is coming off into this area? Um, I don't really know. The watershed, you know, you get cyclones and stuff, or you know, hurricanes that come in, and it's more tropical. So this is kind of it's subtropical. So there's a lot more moisture. Um, Look at all the volcanoes out there. So that's yeah, that's a line of that sets up kind of uh, the Fiji Islands too, um, to some degree. You know, there's yeah, they're they're tiny little uh, features that are all associated with you know wow. the tectonics. You can you can yeah, see the it? you can see the bend in the tectonics. Mm-hmm. Oh, and you got the you got, you got some trenches there. Yep, that's New Caledonia. And there's so Fiji. Islands. There's Fiji. Is that Fiji? Oh, yeah. 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 
So you can see the tectonic features from from bathymetry map. Um, so there's some gnarly. You can see how uh, this rolls, I think. There yeah, and that leads it's down like into Fibonacci. It's a it's a major piece of tectonics. Yeah, and it wrote that one of the largest gold deposits on the planet. Is that right? But anyway, so not to backtrack, but so you're now in Brisbane. <laughs> yeah, so now in Brisbane and uh, the asset. So I was working for BG Group and they're, they they were acquired by Shell you know, later on. But um, I got hired in by the exploration tight gas team that was uh, primarily looking for coal bed methane. So it's, it's coal seam gas. It's referred to as coal yeah. seam gas there. So I was by the exploration team is all onshore um, searching through Permian coals. Uh, to try to understand the tectonics, to understand just uh, the asset. There's a stacked coal seams, basically, and uh, part of the just the team to drill a few wells, understand, and you know, find, you know, introduce hydraulic fracturing there overseas. Um, at the time, there, you remember the Gasland? I know you, uh, the, the movie Gasland when it came out. Um, mm -hmm. It was the first ant. It was the first anti-frac movement. Um, that documentary came out about, uh, you know, the, the coal in Pennsylvania and New York. Uh, yeah, that Marcellus were... gas that was getting into everybody's sink. And all that stuff. No. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And the, the, the video of showing a dude lighting uh, his, his kitchen sink on fire because yeah. methane was coming in. I've right? seen that, yeah. Um, so uh, that was at the time where the guy who made that movie, he was trying to uh, make a sequel. And so he actually came to Australia to make a sequel and he, he brought Aaron Brockovich with, um, I don't know if you've seen the movie, Aaron Brockovich. Yeah. Well, I've uh, seen, yeah. It's, the, it's PG and E, you know, story. Yeah. Um, and so that was actually when I was in the office, actually, uh, not Aaron Brockovich, but, um, you know, the, the guy who directed the Gasland movie, he was actually in the ele elevator filming. He was trying to get up to our floor cause he knew, you know, how to get into the freight delivery. Wow. Um, but they're trying to do a, a Gasland too in Australia and trying to get, uh, you know, kind of an anti or invent anti gas, anti oil movement. Um, but it didn't really fly over there. Uh, but <laughs> Crash landed. Uh, yeah. As far as like their support politically or like their support with just people in general. Oh, I think, yeah. Uh, yeah, it was all the above. Uh, they didn't like, you know, aggressive Americans coming there and they're trying to, you know, kind of degrade their assets, yeah. uh, convince their people that, that you know, there's something negative going on. Uh, wow. It's just a if it's just a different government regime over there. Well, Australia is a lot like Canada. They're very resource yeah, oriented. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so I was part of the exploration team um, for two years doing the coal bed, methane, coal seam gas. And uh, I got into team leading a little bit. And was leading a team of, uh, you know, 12 geoscientists just trying to understand the asset reserves, people management. Uh, but my Australian visa was only four years. And so at the end of that two years, my, the visa was expiring. And so the choice was either kind of head back to the U.S., which we weren't quite ready to do, or I pushed for a corporate transfer with BG Group to um, uh, the corporate office in the U.K., and I had some good performance and my manager was supporting. BG was a British company and corporate was in the UK. So I ended up putting in an internal transfer and it got accepted. 
And wow. 2012, my family and I, we were able to get relocated from Brisbane, Australia to, uh, to Reading, which is just west of London. Um, That's awesome. So, yeah, it was, again, you know, uh, the corporate finances were good. They're still sending people around the world. So, um, yeah, yeah, zoom in. London. I yeah, go to London. You can do it. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm going to get lost quick. It's yeah. It's on the There's the Thames. Zoom in. Move that thing to the east, right, right about in there. Move it a little east, northeast. There's London. Yeah, there's London. So go west. You see yeah, Reading yeah. just to just 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 the left there. Yeah, Reading. Yeah. So that's where. And um, I got to sign wow. a new vent. I got to sign a new ventures group, and this is where the now the first time I realized that oil and gas is a is a, it's a I didn't realize it's a global game. Um, a lot of folks in the U.S. think U.S. is all, North America is all it's it, but it, there, there's oil and gas everywhere. Mm-hmm. Well, and, as you can see by all the red on this. There you board. go. Those are all the basins. Yeah. That's from Exxon, by the way. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's a good map. That's a good overview of the basin maps. Um, so I was on a new ventures team looking for unconventional assets globally. And we're using the North American shale plays, you know, the Eagleford, the Marcellus, the, uh, the Bakken, mm. and we came up with screening measures and a scoring system. And then you would look at all the, ba- you know, many of the basins globally to see if there's any opportunity for BG to enter in at a, at a, you know, green level um, to try. Wow. To get in. And they wanted to enter at focused on unconventional horizontal fracking. Uh, unconventionals, yeah, as the source, and then the goal was to use that model to go into uh, the horizontals and and, and hydraulic fracturing. Um, wow. It it wasn't their main focus. So we, this was a small group. BG's main business model was conventional gas, and they converted to LNG. So mm-hmm. that LNG was was their path to monetization. So they had a bunch of LNG ships. Um, wow. So they'd find the gas, and then they convert it. You know, send it on the ships. Uh, but they had a small group and we're, we're kind of screening things globally. So that's where I was really part of the team that we're doing some, de- a lot of desktop studies. Um, and, but I was assigned because I what came from Australia. I was assigned the Australian asset study at more. So I went back to Australia uh, to, twice uh, while I was there just for a visit with the team and stuff. But then, um, I was on some really cool projects. I did a little field mapping project in northern Spain, um, looking at the uh, Cantabrian Basin. I was assigned a New Ventures look in Lithuania in the Baltic. And that was a license round put on by Lithuanian government to look for oil shale and to uh, assess their oil shale potential. All right. So, um, have they, a lot of it. Yeah. So they... Um, they, uh, me and my a geophysicist uh, I was working with, we were assigned the project and we actually uh, went to Lithuania. Uh, if you where know. is Lithuania on this map? Let's see where Sweden is. Uh, Baltic. Uh, yeah, go to the yeah. Baltic, go northeast, due east with your cursor. Yeah, those big blobs keep going east, right there. Yeah, like where the right, right there. Yeah, yep, yeah. yep. Yeah. So there's the Baltic basin. Um, there's oil and gas. Uh, it's less oil shale. It's really conventional play with faults and stuff. But um, so I was uh, tasked 
So the Vilnius has the big, the, the Lithuanian Geological Survey has a big core, core uh, warehouse, if you could call it that. But we, we got sent there and uh, to Vilnius. Yeah, so there's Latvia, there's, there's Lithuania. Um, so the West Coast, so you see Vilnius on the east over there? Yeah. That, that's the capital. So we got sent to Vilnius and uh, spent basically a week uh, during daylight hours uh, in, a, in a core shed that they had put together. And this core shed was actually a converted Russian bunker from the Cold War. What? And it was a crazy building. This thing, we go into it, it had like 10 feet thick walls of concrete. <laughs> and you enter in, you go down, you know, nine, you know, nine, nine to 12 feet into the, into the basement. And they have all these, you know, tools of, of, of um, cutting core and slicing core and no safety measures at all with the guys working there. The guys were in sandals and like, welcome, welcome in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Bathrooms over right? there. <laughs> right. And uh, so we, we through, go through this maze and then enter into like the main core warehouse. And you look floor to ceiling, it's probably about 40 feet tall um, of just walls of different cores captured from mainly Russian cores. And uh, because it was all part of Russia at one time. And uh, <clears throat> we had a Lithuanian, a local Lithuanian geologist who was our interpreter, but she was also the, the specialist who knew how to do the core. And before that, we were able to pull what cores of the wells we wanted to look at and kind of lay it out. And um, basically went through and kind of stratigraphically described it, you know, took intervals. Um, and the way they really cataloged it was very poor. We basically had to take pictures there. There was missing pieces with no depths on it. And uh, it was all kind of limestone plays, a lot of carbonates. So, uh, um, dolomites or true carbonates like limestones? There are limestones, no dolomites. Yeah, it was true limestone and uh, dark, dark organic shales. Mm -hmm. Huh. And then, so it was kind of another. Sorry, not to cut you off. One more, one more question. So, no. are these cores you're looking at primarily onshore, like these unconventionals, right? I'm not assuming yeah. you're looking yeah, at yeah. offshore unconventionals, right? Correct, okay. correct. Yeah, okay. yeah. There was, um, there was no ability, I think, where these correct, you know, to take offshore cores at, at the okay. time these were collected. So, but yeah, they were all onshore, and the gamma ray, all the logs were in the Russian. And so we scanned a lot of it and we use Google Translate <laughs> immensely uh, to figure out. And it's actually amazing the, the, like the, the geology um, component of names uh, is actually very similar. Uh, you can kind of piece it together because a lot of it just comes from Latin. So they actually, the Russians took something, you know, Latin and they used a lot of geological terms. And so it was kind of, you, you can kind of yeah. see which were geological terms, a technical term mm -hmm. and which was normal, just jargon. Um, but use Google Translate. So this is within 10 years ago, you're doing this. This, this is was, uh, yeah, 2012. This 2012. Wow. Okay. Let's, uh, man, I could sit and listen and keep talking about uh, sure. <laughs> your career up to this point. It's 1.30. Yeah, but we, uh, oh, we okay. yeah, right. It's, <laughs> it's time to, uh, <laughs> to take us through the, the next 10 years and, and just kind of focus us down on what you're doing now and yeah. uh and kind of let's go through this virtual tour that you built and kind of where you're going uh with with your professional career now yeah I, I, my wife always says to me i have the gift of gab so that obviously is evident here <laughs> no worries no worries okay so so um 2013 we've basically been overseas for five years 
And uh, we wanted to go back to California. Uh, we wanted to be back close to the kid, close to the family. My my son was five years old at the time. He didn't know who his grandparents were or anything like that. And uh, there was a few incidences that were like ninety five percent of the time it was great, but five percent were like you know, a few different injuries or whatever. And uh, so we, I, I ended up using through LinkedIn and through the recruiters there, I hooked up with a recruiter who got me a job in with Oxy in Long Beach. Wow. Um, so that's why I went from England back to, you know, to Long Beach, back to California, uh, originally from, and uh, was part of the Wilmington oil field, uh, signed the asset of doing geostering, uh, you know, looking at attic oil and, Worked that until uh, they became CRC, uh, California Resources Corporation, in 2014. And um, that, that was going great. And I was just, you know, kind of missed the international bit to some degree, but I'd learned so much. Yeah. And, uh, and then in 2014, again, oil, oil collapsed um, and uh, was able to hang on. Well, the company, you know, kept us on for as long as they can, but I got laid off uh, for in 2000, February, 2016 from CRC in Long Beach. And that was really, I had sort of had this, you know, like this wonder list, this idea is like, I, I want to start my own company or I just want to work for myself. I want to start consulting. And that was a little bit of a push to, okay, uh, I don't know. I, I, at that time, I was 15 years experienced and a little bit more now on the senior level, sadly, at that time. And we wanted to stay as long as we could in Long Beach. So I set up my initial consulting company and it was a bit of a, it, I mean, it was definitely scary. I took, I took money out of my 401k. I cashed out my 401k to kind of set up the entity. I started investing in sort of small little oil and gas deals on my own in Texas and Kentucky, um, something that may have happened in Pennsylvania and just trying to, you know, you don't learn about the real oil business until you have some CNN in the game, I think. Right. And it, that's what it totally did. And while I was doing that, I learned a lot about, you know, contract negotiation, being consultant, being independent. I became my own sales dude, accountant, uh, petrophysicist, reservoir engineer. I had to do everything, you know, software guy. Right. And I, that the first job, I kind of got burned a oh, little God. bit, but... But um, I then got, I, I, I ended up working for uh, CalGEM, uh, which was Dogger at the time as a regulatory group out in California. And I got on board as just because I wanted something stable for about six months. And so I really got involved on actually on the regulatory side in California. Mm. And it was kind of a revert. It was an opposite scenario. So I'd been working for operators. Now I'm on the regulatory yeah. side. And it was like, it's speaking the same, same language, but complete opposite spectrum, right? Now I was regulating the industry that had paid me and you know, sent me around the world. And that was just a different mind frame. Um, wow. It was, it was a good opportunity, but then oil picked up and I ended up moving back to Denver and got on board with a operator back here, a Canadian operator. And that was back in two, that was in 2017 now. So I was in California from 13 to 17 and uh, back in, you know, call Denver, um, working Utah. Oh, we lost I think him. we lost them. You guys hear us still? Are we, yeah, I can still hear you. Oh, okay. Just, looks like you guys just can't see us. Yeah, it just says searching, yeah. connect. Oh, you're back. There, oh. there we go. Oh, no that's worries. an oil rain. Yeah, yeah, it's coming in. 
<laughs> not really sunny out right now. <laughs> it does look sunny. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. No. Uh, so 2017 was back in Denver, um, working back for an operator, uh, Utah assets working in Uinta Basin. Oh, cool. Uh, unconventionals, geosteering, you know, two mile wells. And, uh, and I thought that was going to be a really good run, uh, but it was only 15 months. And in October, 2018, I got let go unexpectedly really kind of side side blinded. I didn't, I didn't expect it coming. I was supposed to get a year end review on Thursday and I had all the paperwork saying he did a good job. And I came in on Tuesday and I said, sorry, this is your last day. And, uh, right, that was actually, that was the third, it was brutal. Um, I got, I, I, HR watched me pack up my office and, uh, they, 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 they walked me out the door with only one box I could carry and, um, came home. And within about two hours, uh, I had my entire office packed up and curried over to my house and I had 10 boxes sitting on my front porch. And, uh, it was a, it was a shocker. Um, I didn't expect that at all. Uh, you know, the group I was working with HR told them that they couldn't talk to me anymore. And so I sort of, they, everyone went radio silence. I was, uh, only wow. one of two people. And I, you know, I, I, that was kind of bizarre. Um, later on, you know, year and a half later, I found out that they had made a decision to sell the asset and my piece was the first to be sold. And so, you know, it's, they just cleaned up and, and kicked me out the door. Um, with the asset, yeah, everything along with it. Wow. Yeah. And so that was actually, that was the catalyst to what I'm doing now. It was out of extreme motivation is that um, we just moved from California back to Colorado. My wife and, and son came kicking and streaming back to here because they love the beach. And um, so I, I, I had my consulting company set up and to in media. I, no, this is Riviera Unconventionals. Okay. So it's now, are you consulting? So I set the name up Riviera Unconventionals because I was big into shale. I was big into fracking and I set it up in 2014 and then oil collapsed and unconventionals just sort of disappeared off the map for a few years. Yeah. Um, so that's what I consulted under, but I picked that up. And it was all, I uh, didn't quite know what to do. We are in Denver and um, I ended up reaching out to my contacts and I got, I got one of my first clients here in Colorado and uh, it was a local operator. He's going to, he, he, we, we just drilled, you know, a few exploration wells in Colorado. And then I continued consulting. Um, you know, it was, it was uh, just networking and I found a client, Rare Petro, which we're doing California regulatory stuff. They're a petroleum engineering company based out of Golden. I'm their first geo. So we do kind of scoping work up in Wyoming, a little bit of Kansas, and then California, you know, they're, they're, they got an ask, they, they got, you know, services in California that provide. And- so to drill down now into the drill down segment of the PBE podcast with Tim Rathman. Um, no, so kind of to get back. So to get back to it. Uh, so now I'm a consultant, right? And in order to be a consultant, I basically need to uh, utilize all my skills. I've kept applying to full-time jobs ever since Glenn let go. But being a 21-year guy now, I'm actually unmarketable, unmarketable unless somebody's looking for that senior person. And that's uh-huh. just the way the industry is. And so I've uh, picked up a number of clients. Uh, I got a bachelor's in geology, but I didn't get into it. I got my master's in, in IT, kind of computer science. And okay. uh, I was always fascinated by them. And I was, uh, as, as a consultant, 
I'm a, I'm a geologist, but I'm also my own geotech. I'm also kind of, you know, own promoter and fascinated with the IT background. And uh, recently just got into doing media, doing media, doing promotional videos, uh, promoting clients on LinkedIn. And my, my main clients are, it's a petroleum engineering consulting company. It's a small operator that was drilling oil and gas wells. Uh, my newest client, he uses drones to uh, do geological mapping. And so I've been getting into drones a little bit, um, helping him out on, you know, building a website, but then taking his content and producing some videos. And I sort of uh, picked these up just by networking. I'm figuring out what the client wants, what my skill sets are, and uh, getting my name out there. And I recently kind of have, you know, I've have, have gained clarity on where I want to focus. And a lot of it is kind of like a Swiss army knife, but um, you know, so I have, I have kind of a small portfolio of clients doing, you know, petroleum engineering, doing traditional geology, doing regulatory stuff and uh, flying drones and right on. very, very diverse. I actually got, I, I, I can show you I got a drone back there that I've been playing with. Oh, I do see it now. There it is here. Look at oh. that thing. Nice. This, this is actually an older one. This is not mine. This is actually, I'm, I'm borrowing it just for scientific reasons. But this is a unique drone. It's a unique is the brand. And um, oh, okay. Okay. Here, let me bring it on camera here. Dang, don't see, turn that thing see, on. Yeah, no, not not inside. <laughs> <laughs> and then this is actually six years old. So this is kind of like a dinosaur. Wow, look at a, that. Take a, check that out, man. That's the what remote. The... Turn it. You can turn the screen on, you know, and, and wow. that's, that's how you control it. Yeah, we did some drone work out at the oil and gas lease that we uh, we picked up, and uh, yeah. our studio engineer came out with this badass drones. It was a little totally. guy, but it, it had some really cool camera technology and lenses and all the stuff it could do. Yeah, so there's freaking, a, that's, yeah, that's that's another one, right? Yeah, it looked so uh, been, looked very similar. Yeah, so I've been playing with that. Those the Mavics, those are pretty cool. Um, camera was super uh super technical camera the technology and the camera yeah. keeping it stable and all that stuff was really impressive the, the fl- uh studio engineer flew it right into a tree oh right right was, yeah it's, it's easy to do <laughs> yeah it was, it was awesome he was um, trying to do the whole thing did he kill the drone no well we found all the pieces and then he had extra wings and we were flying in a couple of hours we were, we were back up flying. technical difficulties <laughs> yeah well, the wind can take it too pretty easily. Dude, that thing had a mind of its own too. I mean, it, it, interesting to get used to for sure. So yeah, you want to play the video? Um, yeah, so so I've recently got into videos, you know, and doing geology stuff because uh, I love geology. And and uh, I decided to use my creativity. And uh, we went to we went to Arches National Park for my son's you know birthday. And I took my new camera on and I was just kind of inspired. And so... I, I, you know, took some footages and then in post-production, I ended up making this video and 2N Media is a side media company that I have set up. And uh, yeah, it, I guess it kind of, this, this video will walk you through kind of a, um, a little tour up to the arch and it starts with a, a overview and then the, the path. And it actually, then I get into live footage that I actually took and I put it to music and stuff. So this is kind of a, a prototype to, to stuff I'm doing for, for one of my clients on the, on the media side. So cool. Let's take a look. Yeah. 
This episode is brought to you by Bell Geospace. Bell Geospace has the gravity data that you need in the Permian Basin to see the structures below your reservoir, to see the structures in the reservoir and above. It's all connected. It all has a lot to say and a lot to do with how much oil, brine, or gas you're getting. You need the data to make better wells. You got to contact Julianne Sharples, jsharples at bellgeo.com or go to bellgeo.com. Check out their data. Check out what they're providing in their FTG, full tensor gravity gradiometry. The data is very high resolution. We did an exciting show, episode 91 with Bell Geospace, interpreting some of that data. Contact them today. Drill better wells. Let's go. So that was a... Uh, uh... That was kind of my my you know side passion project I was working on. But um, one of my one of my jobs with uh, this drone company is to take his drone videos and do take it into post production. So I have Adobe Photo Premiere, you know the whole Adobe suite. I have a film editing software and I'm just sort of using these promotional videos. So I haven't we haven't released any drone promotional videos yet, but you're going to see that in 2022 for sure as uh, the company's name is Drone Geoscience. And uh, that's, you know, part of my, part of my uh, Swiss army knife of skill sets. You know, I'm not just the geologist, but I can do kind of video stuff too. <laughs> so is, is that a post-production video? Yeah, so I did. The only thing that was live was, the, you know, the, the, the last, you know, minute or so, where I was actually, it was, I was actually held, holding my, this little handheld camera. I've this seen people DJI. holding those things. Oh. Yeah, this is a DJI Pocket 2. And this is actually the same camera that's on the drones you see. So this is the gimbal. Okay. Um, so it, it kind of rotates. If you were, you know, if I were to turn it on, um, it kind of, it, it, it rotates and stuff. And what? it creates stability so you can, you know, it's kind of smooth and stuff. <laughs> it is, yeah. That thing's badass. Um, that's really cool, man. All right, what do you think, uh, you know, an honest assessment at this point, of you know drones and and their place in academia their place in industry like where do you see it going i think it's the future um a lot of it is uh places you can't access so you know you know it's on federal land or whatever um i think with the uh decrease in people um, a lot of it regulatory side we're using it to map buried objects specifically uh old oil and gas wells that were abandoned old pipelines that were buried wow. and they're using it for methane detection now so they're flying it over gas fields uh to figure out what wells are leaking and um specifically and then, to an outcrop like the guadalupe mountains right like we we all yeah. have about 10 solid spots pretty much any parking lot you go from to yeah. go look at some interesting rocks and stuff that's been well-documented, but there's a lot of in-between, right? We always talk Absolutely. about that. so much in-between. So drones, you know, are we at the point where you can set up a path where a drone can kind of get out there, film rock and outcrop it really a HD on its own path of just kind of how you have it set up with GPS and stuff, and then start mm -hmm. shooting it with LIDAR and these different tools yep. that can like see the rocks. And yep. can it put it in a virtual reality where I can go back in it and I can look 3D wherever I want? Yes. Yes, yes to all of those. We're there. And the company I'm working with, he does geophysical mapping using gamma ray. He's got a magnetometer. He's yeah. got an EM tool. He's got uh, GPR. He's got infrared thermal. 
And then he's, he's, he's messing with the resistivity too also. Um, and he uses, you know, on the gamma ray, he's looking for, he's, you know, looking for uranium deposits um, and, you know, different other, uh, you know, sure. rocks that have a gamma ray signature. But uh, with the LIDAR, uh, the photogrammetry, the high res photos, uh, there is a company out there that actually uh, takes those pictures into a four dimensional, three dimensional image. And then you can easily probably get into virtual reality where I can see the future is that you take a drone, you just take cameras and you fly it over an outcrop and then you can take it back into simulation and put it on virtual reality or other. Um, I think the virtual reality of virtual geology is, is still a little bit far away, but yeah. this, this past year with a catalyst of doing remote <clears throat> geological mapping and you can't, I mean, drones can get into spaces where humans can't uh, easily. And right, easily, right. Yeah, a yeah. Lot of you have no time. Are, no time, no time. The days of cruising around in your Bronco yeah, yeah. endlessly oh, totally. all day long, those days are gone. Nobody has yeah. that job anymore, Stan. The job doesn't exist anymore. You uh -huh. need to get shit done. And, uh, and the drones can do that. Drones can help with that. That's all they can do. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> The main thing they just can't clip, you know. Of course, they yeah, can't they can't harm. pick up they a rock. They can they can't, can't look at a rock with a hand lens, etc. Yeah, they, can, they can't lick it. You know, they can't. <laughs> uh, There's no lick test on the drone yet. That can yeah, be our thing. Can't fish on the yeah. That could know, be our thing. We could create our lick test. Yeah, yeah various ways to test porosity and, and relieving yourself at the same time. You know. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Oh um, man, you got a Darcy calculator in your mind when you're <laughs> wow, that's I haven't even thought about that. That's genius right there. Um, but no, right. yeah, I mean virtual geological mapping using drones is gonna and then you know you you can sync them. Um it's called the swarm. You can connect them all together and you can create these arrays and uh connect, you know, if you have sensors on all these arrays, you and can 15 do a drones at once. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it would be very, very interesting to see. I mean, so someone like Stan, who's literally out of the cave, but has seen right. a lot of rocks, <laughs> literally seen a lot of those stupid drones. <laughs> <laughs> but to, to, his, to his argument, you know, I had this, all this technology, blah, blah, blah. But when yeah. we go into Google Earth and we go into a high-res thing, he does get very excited. He's like, wow, you know, look at that. It actually sees, you know, some contrast that's real yeah. there. You know what I mean? Uh so it's it's fun to do that with someone who, who's actually been there, mapped it on foot, knows all the details down to, you know, the sure. level of detail when you are mapping geologically, as we know, on the, the surface of the earth versus something like Google Earth or a, or a structure map or whatever. Like there's a there's something there. There's integration happening there. Mm -hmm. There is it's just another it's another tool in the toolbox, right? Like yeah. you start with yeah. that big scope. Now you can go to the outcrop at a high res image. And if it's something yeah. that you know yeah. you see is fascinating or you want to learn more about, freaking get in your Bronco and go pick yeah, up. Yeah, but rocks. that's but you're doing that with what's on above your shoulders. It's called your brain. That's the number one tool. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. That integrates all of these other little well, that's the thing, right? Things. It's a tool. Right. Yeah, it's right. just another piece. It's an it's another piece. Uh piece of the puzzle right i think yep. there's been there's been a lot of drones that are used to map quarries um and yeah. to try to figure out the higher resolution stuff in quarries rather than sending out you know people into the quarry uh, if you want uh, send out a drone 
high res, see if you can see some, uh, you know, micro details or micro fractures or whatever. Well, and if then, you've got a basic geologic map of the quarry, then you can fill it in with drone observations. So sure. No problem sure. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I think there is, I mean, there's definitely no substitute for fundamental mapping, getting out in the field and touching the rock. Um, my, my mentors, you know, I entered the industry when um, my mentors are all, uh, uh, you know, retired, post-retired. And uh, I'm, I'm 21 years experience. And then the next people out are, are 10 years more, 15 years more than us, because there is that collapse in the 80s. That's right. Trains and, so I came in, I really started in the industry in 1999. And, um, you know, so, so my mentors are all old school guys, you know, Troy, you're an old school, or, or, or you're, an, you're an old school guy. Um, well, yeah. this fossil you're talking to here is definitely old school. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm proud of it, and and it's it's guys like you that the industry needs to capture the knowledge. And, uh, that's what I'm trying to do, but he hates me. He's like, <laughs> I can't stand the way you think. Well, that's like, called millennial thinking, right? But, uh, the, the way my brain operates uh, is what I stand. Well, he has serious <laughs> ADD, and that seems to be a culture trait of a lot of the younger ones. Sure, it's all the video games. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Blame it on whatever you want. Uh, I'm a somewhat attention of a deficit, or, or he would call it nature deficit disorder. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, but no, I mean, guys like Stan, Stan, we need to just take a plunger to your brain and suck everything out we can. That's what <laughs> all like those damn things in uh, Starship Troopers. Yeah. <laughs> oh, totally. <laughs> Did you just Love reference that. Starship Troopers? Oh my god! Well, yeah, that big bug. Uh, I I actually quite enjoyed that movie. I'm not. Oh, yeah, was a great great movie. Movie. I, I like that awesome. movie. I thought it was great. I'm not embarrassed to say it. <laughs> That's oh, when man, you know it's a that, that, that was we the super agree. bug, and it would they, they would haul your ass over to it, and then it would just right. Pump, yep. Oh yeah. Put this big needle into your brain and <laughs> suck yeah. it dry. It was like the Queen, right? Yeah, like yeah, the quiet. They never figured out exactly where it was in the pecking order, but obviously, it was high up. Yeah. Well, yeah. we should watch that movie. Maybe that's a good day. movie. <laughs> it's got Neil. It's got Neil Patrick Harris in it, and I think it's his first debut after like. Uh, Duke yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> is that right? Yeah. Most of those actors. Yeah. It's like their first movie or something. Uh huh. Oh, it was a totally low bit, low budget film, but I I enjoyed it very much. It's a classic. It's a classic. Oh, we'll get Neil Patrick Harris great. to join us yeah. to watch it again. Totally. Why would we? What be, else does he have to do? That'd be right. That'd be awesome. <laughs> He's definitely not doing anything else right now. <laughs> it was great. I Thanks, enjoyed guys. every bit of this, Tim. Uh, Thank you I for hope the that uh, we can get. Yeah, let's get together, and uh, we're we're hoping to do some geology out in California, some field trips. I'll definitely hit you up on yeah. that. If we cool. can pull the trigger on that, and and that would be awesome, man, to, to get you out there just to get on outcrop with you, It'd be great. Yeah, absolutely, no, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. It's a fun time. Uh, Did you ever get together with Richard Bell at Long Beach State? Since you must have lived. Yes. Yeah. So I actually was uh, I was um, uh, uh, an advisor to the Imperial Barrel Award for the Cal State Long Beach IBA yeah. team for 2000, 2014 and sixteen. Is that exactly. right? Because we were doing business with him right back in that time frame. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I was on the advisory panel. Uh, they offered, well, 
two private industry folks to be mentors to the group. So I was 2014 and 2016 for Cal State Long Beach. 2014. And uh, 2016, they got second place. And they kind right of got bummed. They deserved first because uh, it was kind of a bum deal. Did uh, San Diego State win? They No, Alaska. Anchorage oh. won. But Anchorage got the data set prior to anybody else. And so oh, what? Was kind of that's not fair. Uh, yeah, I don't that's, know how. I was, was going to say, that's that's like the beauty in it. It's just eight weeks of hell. Yeah. Just that crunch time. Yeah, yeah, that was that was kind of a raw deal before those guys, but they they got second. They did their first, but I was I was proud of them. If you want to get a if you want to stir up old Bell on anything, tell him that you did a podcast with Stan Keith. I bet you get a kick out of that. Oh, for sure. I periodically. Oh, Bell, yeah, he knows who I am. Oh yeah, <laughs> I, he's actually Beach. started to write paper on hydrothermal dolomite and related to oil. He's actually starting to believe. Oh, okay. He's he's working with the Monterey formation and stuff. Yeah, absolutely, he is. That yeah, formation is wild. And he knows where every beach outcrop is. So he was oh, a sure. great. We hired him uh, on a contract basis, and he led us up and down the whole Southern California coastline. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Fantastic. I, I, I catch up with him just on email periodically, but I'm in Long Beach often, so I might I might look him up soon here. Yeah, he's a great guy. Yeah, I just mentioned that you were talking to this crazy idiot in Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> he'll he'll well, remember. 